How many of you, while they're doing that, I need to ask a question. How many of you in the room are adopted? Is there there's some folks that are adopted? One. She is. Where's James Matthew? He's hiding right there. My son-in-law is, is adopted. Here's, here's the reason I'm asking that. <clears throat> um, God adopts us into his family whenever we pray and ask him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. And we're going to talk a lot about that today and what God's purpose is for you when you are his child. So go ahead and put that up there if you would, Nate, that first slide. We're talking about God's masterpiece today. Uh, Some translations use the word handiwork, but whatever it means is God creates it. And so here's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're not saved by doing good works, but because we're saved, we are supposed to do good works to say thank you to our heavenly father. The way that God grows you up, when you become adopted, when Matt was adopted as a baby, that wasn't the end, right? He spent 20-something years, well, 18 years with the family, and, and the family rubbed off on him. He learned right and wrong, and, and he, um, he is a reflection of who his parents are because he grew up there. When you're adopted into God's family, that's not the end. That is just the beginning. God wants to make you look like Jesus Christ, and he uses three main tools to do that. He uses the Word of God, prayer, and suffering. And we don't like that. The word of God, as we read and as we're fed on the word of God, we grow spiritually. If you're not growing spiritually, it's because you're ignoring God's word. And then prayer, as we pray and we pour out our hearts to him, the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to us and changes us from the inside out. And then suffering. Suffering causes us to to cry out to God and ask him to be near us and to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And suffering drives us back to the word of God and it starts all over again. He uses the word, he uses prayer, he uses suffering to grow us up, to mature us, to make us look like Jesus. And sometimes it requires suffering to make us look like Jesus. So I got a video, some of you have seen it before, it's the skit guys, and it's the chisel. And we're going to watch this, and then we're going to break it down for men, but everybody in the room, but especially for our men today. Let's watch this and see what we learn. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. 
Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hang on. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. This right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason. 
to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my ways. I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning... I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning... And I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. 
Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and, and we all, what's that word that's highlighted? We belong to each other. I don't know if you know what that word means, but it means we're family. If we're in Christ, we belong to each other. And here's what I want you to understand. God created you to be a masterpiece But you will not be all God created you to be by yourself. And so there's some things. Men need to hear this. We all need to hear this, but I think men especially need to hear it. Today in our men's group, we were talking about the the all-alone wound and how we as men have bought the lie that we can walk this life alone. You cannot walk this life alone and be God's masterpiece. You cannot do it. And so I want to talk about real quickly some things that you need in order to become um, God's masterpiece. I need others, number one, to walk with me. That means I need help to grow spiritually. Here's what it says in Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. The Bible often compares um, the, the Christian life to a walk because it's a journey. You don't stay where you are physically, emotionally. You don't stay where you are spiritually. It's a journey. And so the Bible tells tells us to walk in wisdom, to walk in love, to walk in obedience, to walk in light, to walk as Jesus walked. In fact, um, John, 1 John 2, 6 says, if we claim to be in Christ, we must walk or live as Jesus lived. And there's, there's one key, one key that you need to understand to walk like Jesus, and that's never walk alone. And this has nothing to do with whether you're married or single. I know single people who aren't lonely. I know married people who are lonely. Marriage doesn't solve this deep soul level need. What what solves it is Christian fellowship, Christian connection. 
And here's the basic reasons to, to pursue a Christian connection. Number one, it's safer. Years ago, I went to a conference in Los Angeles, California, and we went to church on Saturday night, and we were going to fly out Sunday morning, so we went back to our hotel, which was very near Los Angeles uh, International Airport, and there was a shuttle that was going to take us to our flight the next morning, so we said, let's go ahead and turn in our, our rental car. So we drive down, turn in the rental car on a Saturday night in Los Angeles at the airport, not bright stuff, and we're walking along, there's three of us, we're walking along, and I'm not kidding you, out of nowhere, these two really seedy looking and individuals. Just put whatever image you need to in your mind for CD looking. You define that yourself. They step out of this car. We're walking along, having a great time. Man, we had a great time at the conference. And then all of a sudden we just like, and I'm not making this up. My first word were, we're about to be accosted. Just what we're going to be accosted. We're going to be beaten up. And then I thought, but there's three of us and there's only two of them. We got them outnumbered. And I think I can outrun two of my friends. And if I have to, I can go get help. I was just grateful to God there were three of us. Now, as it turned out, they just walked past us. And I said to them, this is what was so funny. I said, I thought we were about to be accosted. And they both busted out laughing. They said, accosted? We're going to die? And your word is accosted? Anyway, I was grateful to have friends. It just, it's, it's safer to have numbers. Number two, it anchors me during storms. Whether you're working out, whether you're mowing lawns, running races, walking the Christian life, helps to have someone with you because you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to quit doing what's right. The Bible says, let us not give up doing what is right, for we will reap a reward. If we do not give up, you're going to want to give up. And you need people around you to say, don't quit. And this is where it's very important to have the right friends. We talked about this in our men's group. Bad company corrupts good morals. The right friends will never lead you to do something that contradicts God's word. The moment a friend tells you to contradict God's word, you need to step away from that friend. Because you're on the path to destruction with them. The right friends help you stay grounded in reality and they help you see failures are temporary. And God's eternal plan, eternal is the key word there. It lasts forever. So it anchors me during storms and it's just smarter to have other people around you. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, only fools would trust what they alone think. Do you know why people run around doing things on their own and refuse to listen to anyone else? Because they know they're wrong. They think, we're gonna, I'm going to be the first person in history that goes against all of the godly advice that I'm hearing. I'm going to be the one that can sin, and there's going to be no consequences to it. If everybody around you who follows Christ is telling you what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is wrong. But those people isolate themselves from God and God followers because they don't want to hear it. But the Bible says in the, in the abundance of counselors, in the multitude of counselors, there is victory. See, God hates loneliness, so he, he created two things to deal with loneliness. He created your physical family, and he created the spiritual family to deal with loneliness. So the answer, God's answer to loneliness is the church. It's why he started the church. That's the next one. Church is God's answer to loneliness. Hebrews 10.25 says this, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Do you know what a habit is? Because I don't think some people know what a habit of going to church is. And no offense, I'm glad you can follow along on Facebook. But you're not fellowshipping with the church when you're watching on Facebook. I've watched on Facebook. When we're gone somewhere, I'm going to check out our, our services, but it is not the same. Yesterday, I got to hang out with the president of Praying Pelican and one of the other board members, 
And what I will remember the rest of my life is sitting on this deck in this incredible park and, and overlooking the water. But what I remember is we poured out our hearts together. And, and Jim, the president, looked at me at some point and he says, you don't get this on a Zoom call. We spent four hours doing life together and it wasn't enough. I can't wait to see those guys again. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. God expects you to be in the habit of meeting together. And a habit is something you do regularly. One time a lady, this was years ago, she put me down as a reference. And and don't ever put me down as a reference unless you want me to tell the truth. So they, and I say that to people all the time. Can I put you down as a reference? Only if you want the truth, because I ain't lying for you. And so they call me up and they said, hey, do you know so-and-so? Yes. They put down that they are a regular church attender, that they're a member and a church attender. I said, would you define those two terms for me? Because I want to make sure we're on the same terms. And they said, well, we would say that a regular church attender is somebody who comes three or four Sundays a month. And I said, that's my definition too. They don't fit the definition. What do you mean? I said, I see them once every six, eight, 12 weeks. That's not regular. Well, are they a church member? Not in my definition, because if you're not a regular attender, you're, you're not a church member because you're not part of the family. God expects us to be part of the family. Second thing is I need others to work with me. And this is where we read this verse, and, and the skit guys just performed it for us. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Uh, before you were born, God decided the, the talents he was going to give you. He decided where you were going to be born, the parents you would be born to. He chose the time of your birth because God has a plan. He always has a plan. But when God has a plan, the enemy of God also has a plan. And his plan is the opposite of God's plan. God's plan is to give you a hope and a future and ripple effects that last for eternity. And the enemy of God wants to destroy you, to hang your head on the wall as a trophy. I got another one. I took another one from you, God. Every day he gets up and he wants to mess up God's plans and we help him by being alone. God working on me, others working with me, that's what I need. Some of you came to church today exhausted and there's a few reasons why you're exhausted. Number one, you're working alone. Number two, you're trying to do it all alone. Or number three, you're just flat out living in sin, and living in sin is exhausting. It will wear you out. David said, when I was living in my sin, my my body wasted away. I was nothing but skin and bones because he was actively living in sin, thinking he had deceived God. God didn't know. God was causing him to waste away, and finally he confessed, not until he was confronted, but he confessed. God never meant for you to walk alone or work alone Lonely people are punks. (laughs) Worn out people are punks. People who are actively living in sin are punks to be around. Rebellious people, it's like hugging a puffer fish or hugging a porcupine. Here, let me snuggle with you. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two people are better than one because what? They get more done working together. Everybody knows this. We have 31 people going to Lake Charles in just a few weeks. Can 31 get more done than one? No brainer. In fact, I, I just was talking to a, a, a pastor yesterday who had 31 people at their church. 
And, and he was amazed at what they were able to accomplish in just a few days. They were focused. They were there serving God. And they ministered. This pastor, is, he's an incredible guy. And this church from Atlanta came and blessed his church in a rundown, poor, poor economic neighborhood. This affluent white church from Atlanta, Georgia, brought a whole bunch of teenagers and totally transformed the church and the neighborhood because they did it together. If you're tired today, you're you're working the wrong way because church is God's answer to fatigue. You're tired, you need to get involved in the church with the right people. Number three, I need others to watch out for me. I need people who will defend me, stand up for me, warn me, watch my back. Do you know why I need this? Because I have blind spots. You have blind spots. The other day I was mowing my lawn. And, and, you know, I thought, surely we've had enough sunshine that there's not going to be any, any soft spots. There were soft spots. And when you get my mower stuck, if you don't believe this, ask Mike Thatcher. He was working with me one time, and we got stuck. And, and he goes, dude, get on there. I'll just push you out. I, says, I said, sucker, I don't care how strong you are. You're not pushing my mower out of the mud. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, mm. he goes we're not pushing this out of the mud. And we had to go get a vehicle and pull it out. So, so I was in a hurry and I got stuck in my own house right between my house and my neighbor's house. And so I've done this before. I know there's, there's no pulling it out. There's no pushing. So I dropped the trailer off of my truck. I stick it in four-wheel drive. There's a tree about this tall that's in the way and I don't have time to mess with it. So I wrap the chain around the tree. I rip the tree out and I back out because I can't go through his yard. I'll destroy his yard. I don't care if I destroy my yard. I'm trying to get my mower out. So I go back over there. As I'm going back over there, I ran over his brand new tree. Not a tree you buy at Walmart. Not a tree you can get in Palestine. I back over the tree. I didn't see it. Why? Because I was doing the job alone. And then when I see it, I'm like, oh shoot. And I pull forward and I snap his brand new tree in half. And then his wife pulls into the driveway and she looks over there and I just walked over and said, hey, I just snapped your brand new tree in half. I'll, I'll get you a new tree. And she kind of laughs. She goes in, tells the husband, he walks out, and he goes, hey, I heard you're messing with my tree. And I said, yeah, I destroyed your tree, dude. And he's the nicest guy in the world. He's like, hey, man. He goes, oh, it'll probably, it'll probably grow. Don't worry about it. And I said, dude, it doesn't have a top. It's not growing. I'll get you a new one. I had a blind spot because I was backing this way. I was looking to where my mower was. I was avoiding trees up here. I was, a mo- I was avoiding my carport. And as I did, I ran over a tree. Now I get to drive to Fairfield because that's the closest place that has his tree because I was doing the job alone. You have things in your life that that you can't see. It's like when you're driving down the road and your taillight's out. You don't know unless someone tells you. You need somebody to tell you. You need someone in your life to say, hey man, you're unzipped, right? Don't ever let me walk up to a guest at our church unzipped. Come on, Or or with green beans in my teeth. Or a booger flapping in the wind. I'm not making this up. So my kids already know what I'm about to say. We were at Fuddruckers right there next to Bass Pro Shops and Grapevine. And my kids were little. We're sitting there with my brother. We're having these great hamburgers. And the dude with the, the balloons, the balloon fashioning dude comes up to us. He comes up to us and he's got a nugget and it is flapping in the wind. And my kids are too polite to say anything, but they're going... He's like, what kind of balloon you want? If they'd have said booger, we would have lost it, right? <laughs> so he, they're not even talking to him. And finally, I don't remember if it was my brother or me, but one of them were like, 
We're like, hey, bud, you got a booger hanging out. And he goes, okay. And just walks away. Didn't even form anything. He's like, okay. And went to the bathroom. He fixed his booger. And he went to other families, right? How loving would it be if you're about to drive off a cliff? And I say, not my problem. The cliff's right there. The cliff's right here. You're going over. And I don't even reach out my hand and say, stop what you're doing for the love of God. Stop what you're doing. Because you're about to destroy your life and everyone around you. How loving would that be? You need others because you have an enemy named Satan who hates you. And he gets up every day thinking of how he can destroy you. And you know when an evil person can't get to you, you know what they do? They attack your children. Satan cannot hurt God. So he goes after God's children. And he, he lives to destroy you. And when you do life alone, when you move away from the people of God and the church of God and the word of God, you're actually putting the target on your back and saying, have your way with me, Satan. I'll make your job easier. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 4.12, by yourself, you're what? Come on, help me out. You're what? With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Here's the question. Is there anybody watching your back? The enemy of God wants to see you alone, and he's going to defeat you. And let me be just real honest for just a second. You have something in your life that you can't get control of because if you could get control of it, you would have already done it, but you can't do it. And you'll never do it alone. God says, if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, then we're healed. You confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but for healing, you have to have someone that you can confess your sins to. And as long as it's in the dark, Satan has you in his wraps. So if you're struggling with defeat, it's where your spiritual family comes in because church is God's answer to defeat. And the last thing is I need others to wait and weep with me. There's situations nobody should ever have to go through alone. Nobody should have to wait in the hospital while a loved one is going through a life or death surgery. No woman should ever have to wait alone for the lab report to come back on a problem pregnancy. No one should have to sit and wait alone while their loved one is on the battlefield and they're waiting for word whether they survived. Nobody should have to stand at the edge of an open grave alone. Nobody should have to wait home alone for the coroner to come and identify the body and pronounce them dead because they fell dead at the house. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone after the husband has died or the wife has died. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone when their wife has just walked out or their husband has just walked out. You are going to go through a tragedy, but you don't have to do it alone. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. But you better put in place the team right now that you need because you're going to go through pain. And let me just say this. The Bible says that God disciplines those he loves, his children. And if you're not being disciplined for sin in your life, the Bible says you're an illegitimate child. You're not a child of God. You're a child of Satan. God disciplines those he loves. And he says, no discipline is ever joyful but sorrowful. Yet, to those who are trained by it, it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God, have your way with me. 
Romans 12, 15 says this. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. And I don't know if you know this, but joy seems to be doubled when you have someone to share it with. When I have good news, I can't wait to call Janie. Our, our, our group the other day, somebody texted, Sherry texted, hey, we need some good news right now. And she texted something. I'm like, yes, I'm raising my fist. Sometimes I'll do it in Lowe's or, or Walmart. If you see me doing that, it means it's, we didn't win. You know, my team didn't win. It's somebody said, hey, this just happened. Praise God. And for whatever reason, when we share sorrow, it seems to be that the pain is cut in half. Are you with me? I feel sorry for you if you don't have anybody to, to rejoice with or anybody to weep with you. And let me just give you a little, little tip. And I didn't know this, so I haven't always practiced this, but I intend to from now on if God will remind me of this. Anytime you see a tear, it's time to stop and pray. I don't care if you're in Lowe's, Walmart, Chili's. You see a tear, it means it's time to stop and pray. If you're in despair, church is God's answer to despair. So I want you to bow your heads and, and I want you to exchange what you've, whatever it was you brought in here, whatever lie you've brought in here, I want you to exchange for the reality that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world to do good works because you're his child. I want you to pray this out loud. Dear God, forgive me for the times I felt like I didn't need other people. I want to be a part of what you're doing on earth through your family, the church. I'm tired of superficial relationships. I want to learn to really love and to be loved in a deeper way. This moment, I open my life to you, Jesus. Please come into my life. Please accept me into your family. Thank you for this place where I can belong and grow. Help me to connect with other believers so that I can become your masterpiece. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.